Hello and welcome to Is This Room Free? My name is Martin Drake and I'm an ex-HR professional who is now the founder and managing director of Hire People, a recruitment business that is raising the standards in the way recruitment agencies operate. In this podcast, I will be talking to HR professionals and listening to the stories of their careers. I will be finding out about the journeys they have taken and what they've learned along the way. The purpose is to help others in the profession identify and understand the various paths available and take inspiration from my guest speakers. Whether you are someone who is looking to get that first step on the HR career ladder or an aspiring HR director, I hope you get value from my conversations. So, without further ado, let's get on with the show. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Is This Room Free? Um, So on this week's show, I've got um, a fantastic guest that I'm very looking forward to having a good in-depth conversation about. Um, I've got a lady called Michelle Hoare. And we just had a conversation about how I say her name because it's... um, it's an obvious spelling, but it's one that you could mispronounce. Um, so I wanted to make sure I practiced that and got it right. Um, so Michelle, I'm going to pass over to you. Do you just want to kind of explain, um, I guess, what you do right now? And then what we'll do is kind of go back and kind of rewind in time to, to kind of your career. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me, Martin. So um, I'm currently the co-founder of a company called Early HR Solutions and also Early Engage. And we provide fractional HR support to early stage companies that are looking to grow and scale. Um, And then the complementary service Early Engage is for those same types of employers that want to really be intentional about uh, retaining their employees and showing up as a great employer. So we have a turnkey employee engagement solution that we offer. Cool. Fantastic. It's interesting that you have um, separated the two businesses rather than keep it all under one umbrella. What was the what was the kind of thought process behind kind of differentiating them? Was it to keep the, the almost the two products, if you will, quite separate? So the products are very complementary, um, but we know there are organizations that can benefit from early engage that may have their HR team fully staffed and they may really not need our consulting services. So we kept it very separate um, and intentionally because it is a very low cost subscription-based model where our HR consulting services, um, the the business model is very different. So, and it just helps us differentiate from a brand recognition perspective. Fair enough. It makes sense when you explain it like that, that they, you know, um, a client could already have an in-house team, but we can also then offer the um, kind of the engagement side of it. Yeah, that's the light bulb went off uh, on my head when you said that. Cool. Um, I mean, we met uh, a few weeks ago when I was over in Dallas at the um, HR Southwest conference and uh, we had a good chat and I was really interested in in kind of what it was that you did. Um, and then, yeah, I, I kind of asked if you'd come on the podcast and uh, you were very kindly obliged. You know, a strange Englishman just turns up and asked <laughs> if you'll come on a podcast. And uh, yeah, you're obviously, you know, very willing for um, to to do these things with strange people, so thank you very much for that. Um, Absolutely. No, we had a we had a really good kind of conversation um, when I was over there, and uh, yeah, I 
I really kind of liked a lot of the stuff that you were saying. So um, wanted to kind of yeah bring you on to bring in kind of your your story really. So let's go let's go back to the beginning then. So how how did your HR career start off? From you know how, did did you go to uni? What did you study study? Yeah, so I went to um, a small um, state college in upstate New York. And I studied business, not really knowing exactly what I wanted to do. And it was funny, our junior year, we had to choose a concentration. It could either be finance, marketing, information systems, or human resources. At the time, it was called like personnel and yeah. labor relations. Honestly, uh, I knew that finance... Doesn't that, doesn't that sound horrible? Labor, I know. Pers- labor well, no, personnel and labor relations. It just sounds... Yeah. It was different back then. I'm dating myself. But anyway, (laughs) as a young person who's a little bit clueless about what they wanted to do, it was funny. I narrowed it down to marketing or HR. And everybody I knew was picking marketing. And so I literally picked HR because I... um, There weren't as many people majoring in it. And I thought that would maybe be a differentiator. Um, But I also did that classic, oh, I love people, (laughs) Um, which is really funny. But um, that's really just sort of how I ended up falling into it. And so um, the school that I went to, what was really nice is in those senior level classes um, and junior level, we really got to focus on our concentration. We had all of our general business classes out of the way. And we also um, concentrated on doing an internship. So that was really how I got into it um, from the beginning. Fantastic. If you could have a sliding doors moment, would you make the same decision or would you go down the marketing route? You know, it's funny. I almost wish I could have done both because now as an entrepreneur, um, I, I'm using all of my subject matter um, knowledge as an HR practitioner, but boy, marketing um, is ever evolving. And, and so I would almost love to know both really, really well, because I'm finding, obviously, marketing is a big part of growing a business. And so um, would certainly love to have more knowledge around that. Yeah, no, it's interesting. Um, we, we obviously cover HR and marketing in terms of the professions that we, um, we recruit for. And um, you do you do notice there are quite a number of people at the very very early stages who are open to kind of either and th- th- again they've had that sliding doors moment where they went to university and maybe they started HR and, and didn't quite like it so went into marketing or vice versa or they've left with a business degree and they go you know it's a kind of generic degree and they go well I'm open to kind of either really which is odd because they are very, very different disciplines. Very um, different. But there's the but psychology, there's the psychology element that yeah. underpins it all, I think. No, I was just going to say what's interesting, though, is HR positions have evolved to have a lot more marketing focus, not necessarily marketing growing the business, but from a client or uh, employee retention standpoint, understanding how to leverage digital media. Um, for recruiting and retention. Um, So there's definitely a lot more overlap, I think, than there ever was um, in the past. 
No, hundred percent. And you've also got the the comms element of it as well. You know, communications Absolutely. of communicating business information within the organisation. So there, is, like you say, there is a bit of a kind of um, an overlap between the two. But I think certainly psychology, um, human behaviour, and um, thinking um, kind of underpins the two, which might be a reason for that kind of um, yeah crossover or um, interest in both. Okay, so. Um, so you you went to sit there, and then how do we enter the big world? So your internship, I'm guessing your internship was a HR one? No, it actually was in public <laughs> relations. I, you know, it was the time that I graduated. And again, I'm really dating myself, but there was a pretty big recession going on. Um, and so jobs were really hard to find. And I happened to know somebody that um, needed a, a public relations intern. And so I took that just to put something on my resume to get some business experience. So um, that was my internship. And then um, I, again, very hard to get break into corporate HR back in those days. So I started um, in the staffing industry um, right out of school. Okay. Okay. Cause I was, I was interested about the kind of the internship because um I was going to anticipate that if it had been a HR internship, that would have made that transition over into corporate HR easy because you've now got some work experience to be able to put yes. down on your CV. But if it was PR, I guess people are looking at it going, okay, well, you've done a PR internship, but now you want to get into HR. Mm, we haven't got the practical skill set yet. So yes. there's, there's then going to be other applicants who are going to trump you um okay so then you went into um kind of staffing and um and this was kind of how our conversation struck at the conference the other week that we'd we'd both worked at um at kelly services through our through our time um they were um yeah the uh agency i worked at in the uk for i think five years and, and you worked for them in in new york as well so yes Obviously, I'm not going to kind of delve too much into the role of a, of a kind of a recruiter, um, but um, you were there a number of years as well. Um, how do you think, or not how do you think, I'll change the question. Do you think that that role helps you enough to kind of move over then into HR? Because it is a, it's a facet, it's an, it's an element within the HR spectrum, isn't it? And um, and typically, staffing and recruitment is is notoriously actually a sales job. It's not a HR job. Um, externally, it will be perceived that way. But unfortunately, typically, when you work in a, a staffing agency or a recruitment agency, unfortunately, it's a they beat you over the head with making sales calls and business development. And, and very few organisations actually put the the focus on um, giving that you know, great candidate experience and the um, uh, interviewing techniques and um, onboarding and things like that. So how did you find it useful, I guess? I really did. I mean, first of all, it was very, very fast paced. Um, it was in an urban area. We put people in positions all the way from, you know, marketing and technology, but we also had a lot of light industrial. So I got exposure to so many different people, types of individuals with different backgrounds, different cultures, um, very fast paced and um, high volume kind of activity. 
And, um, you know, back in the day, you know, we weren't using email and technology, everything was over the phone. And so we were like, constantly picking up, I would literally hear the the greeting that I used to say, um, I would say it for years, like in my sleep, because that's how high of a volume it was, it was just a different kind of environment. But, um, you know, and what I found so interesting, which is what I tie into my love of doing what I do now is I got exposure right out of school to not just one company, but to hundreds of different companies and different professionals um, that we had to interact with. And so for someone coming out of school with very little business experience, it was like this major immersion into the business world, as well as with organizations like law firms, accounting firms, manufacturing firms. We also did um, some very, very high volume work for some big employers. Um, So we really started, um, you know, I had to get immersed in, um, you know, bigger corporate structure and sort of how those organizations differ from the smaller companies that we used to work with. Um, And so I found it really fascinating. Um, I knew it maybe wasn't going to be what I wanted to do forever because I really had a heart for diving into corporate um, or more kind of holistic HR work. Um, But it was a fabulous um, immersion uh, experience for me as a young professional. Fantastic. Okay. I'm I'm nodding away with a lot of what you're saying because, um, (laughs) yeah, my my early – uh, kind of recruitment career was was very similar you know very sim- well it was the same organization that I worked at for a period um, yeah you were kind of making me smile with some of you know the nostalgia I was thinking of of you do get exposed to a lot of companies and you quickly learn um, what makes a good company and what doesn't make a good company and you would, yes. you know you'd go down for a, a meeting with a client and you'd go I'd love to work here you know this is this is one for the memory banks and there'd be others you go I'm not sure I want to send anybody into this environment exactly exactly so no it was great it was a fabulous experience and we did a lot of light industrial hiring um, which you know just gave me some exposure to that manufacturing safety workers comp so a lot of um, you know just good foundational basics um, that in HR practitioner should understand fantastic so where do we where do we move from there so you were there for four years I was I was I I got into some training and development in my later years there which was a lot of fun and then I found an opportunity which at the time was like my dream job um, at a company called paychecks Um, they're in the HR outsourcing um you know, they do payroll and HR, but I actually went to work in their corporate HR department. Okay. Um, at the time, there was about 5,000 employees throughout the US. We had about 1,000 at our corporate headquarters. And I was the very first person they had ever hired to be a dedicated um, talent uh, and recruitment um, practitioner. So recruit, rec- internal recruitment internal recruitment, as well as training their leaders in the branch offices on how to, how to, how to, um, you know, hire correctly. Um, And so I used to do a lot of training 
Um, they used to fly in their managers um, every year for like a week of managerial training. And I would be usually doing a, probably a full day of HR type of training, you know, how to hire. We used to call it hire right the first time because we knew uh, turnover. You know, we were educating leaders back then on just how costly it was to make bad hires. We also want to make sure they were doing things legally and not saying, you know, inappropriate things. So um, I was both doing a lot of recruiting as well as um, training. But it was super fun because at the time, the company was growing very, very rapidly. So not only were we just recruiting and interviewing, but we were constantly looking for creative ways to attract candidates. And again, you're, you're, if you think back to that time, we didn't have um, digital media, we did not have emails, websites, all of that. So we were always having to think outside the box. Um, and so it was fun. We, uh, I created an internship program, an ambassador program, Um, And we just did a lot of stuff to get our name out in the community and to be um, very proactive in our sourcing strategies. Okay. I'm just, I'm just, I'm curious. My my brain's thinking as you're talking and I'm thinking, okay, you'd, you'd done your, you'd done your degree. You knew kind of marketing or HR was, was kind of interesting for you. You then went into a staffing agency to do, kind of recruitment for clients you mentioned that you kind of started to move into more training so in the back of your head you know you're you're a recruiter um but in the back of your head you'd always had this ambition to get into hr did you actively try and get into some training when you're at kelly services knowing that that was going to help you ultimately transition over into a, a kind of internal hr recruitment function? Yeah, I I was doing everything and anything I could do to get any extra experience. So there was a need at the time for um, one of our clients. Um, they were using some new technology and no, everybody in the office was sort of at the time, it's funny to think about, but they were sort of scared of technology and I was the young person in the, in the team. And so I volunteered to learn the technology and started doing training, built the training program. Um, And that was, it was just one more thing that I could add to my resume because the job at Paychex wanted somebody that could do recruiting, but also that could do this corporate training. So it absolutely helped. Um, I didn't also mention that I started um, studying for my master's degree. And so I was um, taking classes at night to pursue a master's in HR. So again, I was looking at any way that I could further um, enhance my skills and and get closer to um, being able to break into a corporate HR role. Okay, yeah, fantastic. So you're um, you're essentially setting out a kind of longer term strategy of your own career development of saying, okay, I'm a I'm a I'm a you know school leaver, um, finished education. The world is telling me I'm not employable for the job that I want right now. So how am I going to get there? I'm not going to, I'm not just going to, I mean, you could, you could just keep applying and applying and applying and one day you might get lucky, but that 
you could be doing that for a long time. Yeah. So I guess what you're saying is you went down a more of a kind of strategic route to saying, okay, what's going to be a halfway house? Well, that's going to be working in a recruitment agency. They'll no no offense to it, but I've worked there. A lot of recruitment agencies will take anybody, no matter kind of what your background is. Yes. Um, so it's a great kind of starting point, right? Gain some experience in that. Then you're kind of putting your hand up every opportunity and saying, okay, I'll, that's a little that's in a little bit of the HR spectrum. You know, I want to do that. So training, great. I'll take that on board because I know that's going to benefit me longer term. Then it comes to a period of time you go, right, I'm now ready to move to an in-house role, make that transition, but again. Let me do some training. Let me do anything that is going to help me day by day get nearer to that HR, kind of core HR job that I want. Um, so so as you're in paychecks then and you're, you know, you're you're doing the um, internal recruitment, you're doing it, it. It sounds so funny to kind of talk about this kind of non internet orientated world i i was talking we interviewed somebody to join our team yesterday and she's only young and i was telling her about when i was like 17 18 and i said there wasn't an internet <laughs> you know it was it was a world without the internet and my wife looked at me and i was like but i'm not i'm not just you know there was no internet back then we had to go no. through how you did then you know resumes in a envelope posting out or deliver yeah i mean the amount of paper we went through um but that was the way the world was and you know um posting job advertisements in the in the newspaper and yeah you know waiting for applications to come through in the post it was very it was a slower process but that that was the way that it, it you know it was effective for this time so so you, you joined there, you thought of all these kind of great new ways to um, talent attraction strategies, essentially. Were you doing anything else then to try and, I guess, leverage on your ability to, to move more into a kind of an orthodox type of HR role? Yeah, so um, I what was fabulous about that opportunity is not only did I I grow my knowledge of, you know, staffing, recruitment, training. But I was in a department of, I think there was about 23 of us just in corporate HR. And then there was a whole separate training department with like another 25 or so people. So we had the benefit of specializing and getting to know um, our our specialties very, very well, but there was an enormous amount of collaboration in the department itself. And there was a, just a number of mentors um, that I was able to interact with on a daily basis. So there was a separate benefits department, there was employee relations, there was IS, the training department was separate. We had a corporate attorney uh, who I sat right next to. So, I mean, just by osmosis and being yeah. in meetings and talking to people and doing lunch and all of those things that you do, um, staff meetings, you know, at the time we were implementing a, a big, um, it was funny, it was back in the day, it was the Oracle HRS system. It was a yeah. big, it was like a year long project. So, um, you know, we had to build our applicant tracking. There wasn't applicant tracking you had to build it and put all your specs in. And then, you know, Oracle went and created all of that. But I was able to be in a lot of those cross-functional teams 
that allowed me to get exposure to those other functions in the um, the scope of HR. Very much kind of right time, right place by the sound of it. You know, an organization that was going through um, big change in terms of um, progressive kind of activities of, you know, kind of building these HR systems, you know, just as the technology starting to be introduced, um, quite yes. a collaborative environment, seems like you kind of win the right place to, as you say, kind of learn through osmosis, but also just get involved in in projects. Yes, yes, cool. absolutely. Loved that job. Um, I probably would have stayed there for much, much longer um, had we not um, had the sort of opportunity to move out of state and um, and you'll see my career is going to be taking a big kind of right angle turn um, from this point on for a bit um, because at the time um, I was uh, uh, you know I'm still married to the same guy but at the time you know he was looking to really grow his career and um, a position came available that took us out of state. And so um, that was when I, I left paychecks, but it was with a very heavy heart because I absolutely loved what I was doing there. Yeah. Fantastic. Well, I wanted to kind of really kind of almost labor the point on that because I think it was really interesting for anybody who is in a position of, of maybe kind of graduating or finishing school or, or, you know, coming to the end of that kind of chapter of education where they might find it really, really hard to apply for or to not apply to be successful in securing that first HR job. But it, if if you apply the kind of strategic approach that you did, you know, you can achieve that in a quite relatively short space of time, really. You know, you, you could have probably fast tracked that process if you'd have wanted to yourself. Um, I anticipate you were probably enjoying the roles, which is why you kind of, you know, stuck in in the recruiter role at Kelly's for a number of years. Um, but it's the the process of strategically going, okay, that's the end goal. What can I, what career decisions can I make that are going to get me there? And what can I learn along the way? And how can I, it's a bit like kind of snakes and ladders almost, isn't it? The game, you know, how can I maximize those ladder opportunities that are going to get me to the top of the board kind of as quickly as I want? Okay, so um, so we've we've kind of made the move because of the the hobby. Um, so, what talk to me about kind of the next the next chapter then for you? Well, at the time, I was also a new mother. Um, I had a a nine month old baby. Um, had also, like I said, had been taking graduate level classes, and again, uh, because I'm a you know this is back at a time where. There wasn't online classes and stuff like that. I ended up having to sort of take a break from pursuing my master's. And I took a break from my career. Um, and there was a time that I um, just... I mean, this, this is just life now, isn't it? You know, This is just life. I'm you a can mom, have a plan. I'm in a new city. Yeah, you can have a plan, but sometimes life just gets in the way. Life gets in the way. So I, I did some part-time work uh, for a number of years. And um, that uh, was fun, but I primarily took it because it was very flexible. I could make my own hours. I could work out of my home. Um, and so it was actually out of HR. It was working for a chamber of commerce. 
as their executive director, but it was really fun. And it actually used a lot of my recruiting skills because we had to build membership, plan events. Um, you know, we brought this, this is now the big worldwide web was coming out. And so we were helping companies build their websites and leverage technology. And so it was, it was a fun, fun job, but it allowed me to be home um, a lot more with my son, help my husband who was now traveling internationally. I was really kind of holding down the fort. Um, And I did that role for a number of years. Baby number two comes along. And then the major change was now my husband um, broached the topic of us moving overseas. And so I um, took my two young children and we lived in um, Bangkok, Thailand for two and a half years. Yeah, it was not working, was not allowed to work, um, and did not work for that time period. How how was that for you then? Both, you know, <laughs> Thailand is a very very different country. Bangkok in itself is yeah. is crazy. Um, I was actually in Bangkok about the same time I just kind of finished university and was traveling the world for a year and our, our literal first stop was Bangkok and my god that was a culture shock um yes so very what, what, much. Was that, what was that like for you as, as a mum with two young children and then equally you know having to I guess almost find find you've lost your your professional purpose as well if you you actually can't work over there yeah I you know I always, I kind of allude to um, that experience. It was the best of times. It was the worst of times, right? (laughs) (laughs) A little literary, uh, you know, (laughs) reference there. But um, it really was, it was the most amazing life experience um, that I could have asked for from a cultural um, diversity diversity. It was also a time where, again, I was a young mother. So I was able to spend an enormous amount of time with my children. Um, I was able to volunteer at their school. Um, I was able to meet people from all over the world. Um, My son was attending an international um, school. It was actually a British international school, but there were 72 countries represented at this school. So it was really fascinating. The expat community there is very, very diverse. And so, and it's also very, um, people don't realize how many expats are in these major Asian cities. And so there was a huge community of people. I was uh, joined uh, a women's group. I joined a mother's group. We did a lot of volunteerism. I did a lot of work in orphanages. Um, and so from a cultural perspective, um, it was fabulous, you know, from a, a life daily, you know, time also losing my identity as a, a professional being Don's wife and, you know, Harrison and Audrey's mom, that was sort of my identity. Um, that, you know, it, it's tough, um, but it's uh it's just one of those life experiences that I'm I'll forever be grateful for. Um, it's a very the- hard situation, isn't it? Because you, you can't be resentful because you're being a mum, you know, you're being yes. a parent and you're, you're having opportunity to spend, you know, just listening to you, 
saying you're able to kind of you know help out in their school you know that those are memories that you look back on and absolutely cherish because so few people ever get an opportunity to do that but at the same time you're then panged with this kind of guilt of but I've lost my professional identity and you know, everything that I've worked for in my career yes. at that point you know I'm I'm not just Don's wife or you know a mum I I've got my own life at the same time as well so it's I, I really kind of empathize there with, with how challenging and, and almost kind of tawny you probably were at times between you know I love spending time with the kids but at the same time anybody who spends a, a holiday or a vacation with the kids for any long period of time yes suddenly realize oh my god I can't wait for the schools to start again and I can yes I can go and be me yeah absolutely but we did um some fabulous travel we saw places you know just did things that you know you might only read about in a travel yeah, it's an amazing, it's writing, an amazing country writing elephants in the jungle and learning how to, you know, sheathe rice in a rice paddy in the, in the mountains of Northern Thailand. And, um, you know, we just did some really, really cool things. Um, so I'll forever be very grateful for that opportunity. Um, one big thing that happened while we were over there is, um, I have always had a heart for adoption. And and so we pursued that when we were in Thailand and I went over with two children and came home with a third. So, wow. yeah. So my youngest son, William, who just started college this year, uh, he's 19, but that's, um, he was six months old when he joined our family. So, wow, that's amazing. Yes. And as you say, that would never have happened had you not gone on that journey. Exactly. We always had a heart for adoption, but William would not be my son. Absolutely. So I, uh, oh gosh, I'm going to start getting a (laughs) podcast, but uh, no, it was, um, you know, it's just one of those moments. Excuse me. Some, some people would say fate, you know, it was, it was destined to work out that way. It was. Absolutely. Again, another one of those kind of sliding doors moments of, you know, what might not have been rather than what might have been, what might not have been. Okay. Um, well, I don't want you to start crying on me. Um, so we'll 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 move on before we get too emotional on this bit. So what brought you kind of back to the US and um and how did you re-enter the workforce? So went back to the U.S., um, was home at that point. I had three kids under the age of six, and I waited until William was in uh, preschool, and then I was itching to get back to work. So there was a period of about six years that between Thailand and coming home from Thailand that, um, that I was with my children, and then I was really itching to get back. And so I started doing some contract work. Um, knowing the contract industry, because that's where my career had started, I was like, I'm going to start dipping my toes back in. I took a few different assignments, but one of them landed me at a company called Apothecary Products. And I was covering a maternity leave um, for a lovely lady. She was an HR manager. um, And it was supposed to be just a temporary role. Um, But Jen was uh, on maternity leave. And we kind of did a role reversal. She decided she wanted to stay home with her newborn. 
And I was offered the job um, after a couple months. They liked me and I liked it there. And I uh, was offered the job of an HR manager. So that's, that's how I got back into, um, was back through temporary uh, temporary work. Okay. Do you mind me asking? Um, because I think this is a really, really useful point for people um, who kind of listen to this. Um, so you'd had a big break, six years, um, hadn't done any HR in that time. As you, I think, I think it's such a smart move to then go down the contract route. Absolutely, you know, um, as you say, kind of um, dip your toe in the water again, um, re kind of reintegrate yourself back into the kind of working world. But at the same time, you were probably, I'm probably putting words in your mouth now, but you were probably savvy enough to understand if I'm just applying for jobs straight in at a senior level. I'm not going to get looked at. Exactly. My success rate is going to be too low. Yeah. I knew I needed to get back in. And I knew um, I knew my, my work ethic and my energy level that if I could just get back in, I knew I would be able to, you know, weave my way back into an opportunity. And so I actually was offered a job at a different temporary job. Prior to that, it wasn't the what I wanted to do. It was back in sort of that PR marketing. It was for um, uh, a nonprofit. And I was like, nah, I don't, that's not really where I want to go. So then I took this other job, uh, another contract position. And this one, I was like, you know what, this, this is a great fit because it's a smaller organization. And it's, um, they had one other HR person in another um, city uh, geographically. But I was, you know, going to be in a role where I was going to get exposure to all facets of HR versus being much more highly specialized. And I knew if I wanted to really fast track my career and grow and and evolve into an HR leader, I needed to know very, very well other areas of HR, like benefits, comp, you know, um, performance management, all of those other aspects. Okay. So just, just, Okay, a couple of questions, if that's all right. So, as yeah. you as you re-enter the market, you know, again, you're sh- what I really like is, um, what I, what I'm kind of getting from this conversation is you've been very strategic in your decision making with your career. You've understood yes. your place in the market, but how you can get to ultimately where it is that you want to get to. Um, and I've got an interesting question. Um. As you started to look at these contract roles, so as you're coming back from an extended maternity leave, being a kind of being a mum, I don't know if I'm phrasing this right. Did you kind of undervalue yourself? So knowing, okay, I've been out of work for six years. um, I actually want to be earning this much money, but I know I'm not going to achieve that straight away. So did you kind of this sounds odd, but did you did you kind of offer yourself out cheaply in order to get some experience? And then you go, right, once I kind of prove myself again to the world, then I can start commanding or dictating the salary that I want. Was that the kind of route you went down? Yeah, you know, I think, um, again, I was, I would say at that point, from a professional standpoint, my confidence you know, after you've been at home for a number of years, your confidence level goes down. Yeah. At least professionally, um, significantly. 
Um, so I was just really grateful to get back, get my foot back in the door. And I never, I, this sounds whatever cliche or whatever, but I really wasn't tied up necessarily with income because I just knew in my heart that I've always given my work my all. And I knew that as long as I could get an opportunity, I was going to make things happen for myself. I've never been one to wait for somebody to post a job or hand a job to me. Honestly, most of the growth I've had over my career have been because I have crafted those growth opportunities and I've been able to sort of negotiate them and earn them, um, which is kind of different than maybe other people's paths, but that's really the approach that I took. And so after being the temporary HR manager, then I was the HR manager, I just took upon myself to start doing things that were much more strategic than the previous HR manager did. And I was able to... Um, was that was that well received by the organization? So let, It was, you know, yeah. I mean, I think, honestly, the gentleman I worked for, I don't think he quite knew what to make of me. Um, he really liked me, but he was kind of more of a in the box type of a guy. And I'm a very out of the box type of person, but he was sort of game and open, you know, because I was always able to approach things from a business perspective and create a business case. And so after a few years, um, I was made a director and I was really part of this, the senior team at the company where I was, um, you know, peers with the other leaders of the organization. So and, let's, and, let's, let's dig into that a little bit more because this, sure. this is interesting. And, you know, as I always say, I, I try and play the role of the listener here and I, I try and think, you know, if I'm just hearing you talk now, um, unfortunately, anybody listening to this can't interject and ask a question. So I, I, I try and do that on behalf of listeners. So you said you, you kind of joined Apothecary Products. Um, you have gone in on a, a kind of a maternity leave cover position. Um, however, the, the former HR manager was more kind of reactive and and and, and kind of static in what she did, whereas you started to think a little bit more strategically. My question is, how did you do that? So up until that point, let's recap your career. You um, you worked in a recruitment agency. Then you went to Paychex, where you worked in-house doing recruitment, started to do more kind of um, employer branding it probably wasn't defined as that back then but talent attraction strategies training of managers started to get involved in some you know basic hr systems implementation as it as it was of the time back then you started to do a couple of other projects but then you've gone off to bangkok with your kids you spent six years out of work so at no point up until this point if i'm right have you operated as a even a HR person in in its kind of proper mold, let alone a HR leader. So how the heck have you gone into this role and started to make these changes? Because I think, you know, that's that old adage, you don't know what you don't know. How did you know to do this stuff 
if you'd never been taught it or experienced any of it before? Well, a lot of reasons. Number one, part of it is just who I am. I'm, I like to think um, of myself as a problem solver. Um, so I look for pain points and I look for ways to solve those pain points. I also look at innovative solutions. I never, I, I'm not the type of HR person that tries to put up barriers, which is, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, HR, you know, they're, they just make our lives difficult. They tell us what we can't do, that sort of thing. What I've always tried to do is, okay, we know the things that we have to do. Um, we've got to do things the right way. We've got to be legal. We've got to follow the right processes, you know, from a compliance standpoint. But I've always thought as a business person and, um, and there may be a lot of HR people that might throw tomatoes at my face for saying this, but I always have thought of myself as first a business person and second an HR leader, because you have to understand business if you really want to be an effective um, human resource individual. And if you don't, then you're going to be missing a lot of opportunities to add value in an organization. And so I've always approached my roles in how can I add the most value and how can we think outside the box to not just do what we're doing today, but to drive, you know, more um, value and, and results as a result of the work that I'm doing. And that's just, I guess, my personality. I think it also stems from the fact that my education started in, in business. I didn't just fall into HR. I was a trained, you know, business person. Um, and I'm also a voracious reader. Um, you know, being in HR means you're consuming information every single day. And if you're not, you're not really understanding business trends, pain points in the economy, where things are going from trends, from technology and things like that. So at a very early age, I've always been a consumer of information and using that towards my um, advantage and to the advantage of the organization so that we can be more progressive and, um, you know, more effective. I think that's fantastic. Um, I I put a post on LinkedIn um, last week that um, kind of... um, reinforces what you just said then you know i was having a conversation with somebody about um you know kind of hr as as the function and she was saying how hr was um you know they're seen as the kind of the you know the compliance brigade or the principal's office or the fund police or whatever you want to call them and she said you know hr are there to make sure that employees um are happy at work and and make sure the you know the do's and don'ts aren't being done and I disagreed. I I think, yes, that stuff needs to be done. But actually, and this doesn't just go for HR. This should go for anybody in any function, in any job. Well, your role is how do you maximize return on investment or yeah. you add value to the bottom line of that business? If, you're, if you don't look at your role as in how do I contribute to the P&L of an organization, Actually, what are you? What purpose are you fulfilling there? 
you know, even right. a receptionist on a front desk can impact that through giving great service to anybody who walks through the door to great communication in terms of relaying information back to really attuned to what's going on in the business and then as a call comes through she knows exactly how to respond or he needs to know how to respond to that call anybody at any level and the, and the, i, I kind of gave the analogy i don't know if you you know the kind of the nasa janitor story about um I can't remember all the facts, but there was a, a U.S. president went to NASA oh, and he was Kennedy. walking around. Kennedy. And he, he yeah. kind of um, spoke to the um, the janitor and he said, what do you do? And he said, I help put astronauts on the moon. And he's yeah. there with a mop and bucket. But, you know, the, the moral of that was he didn't just see himself as a cleaner. He, If I don't yeah. clean the, the, the station effectively in the workstations, the people can't do their job. And they can't do their job and the people above them can't do their job and you know it all collapses um so i think you you absolutely epitomize that by saying look at yourself as a business person first and it just then happens that your specialism is is hr and that's where you can add the value through hr interventions or people interventions i think that was the way that you encapsulated that saying that um and you can cl clearly get how that is your um uh what's the word i'm looking for your your kind of mantra your your way of working um yes cool well and it's also, also important again there's a lot of hr people what i have seen and it's always kind of bugged me are the hr people that put the walls up and make a manager's job more complicated an hr person is there to serve and to help leaders find, you know, when, whenever there's pain points, they're there to help solve for those pain points and to kind of walk alongside them to figure out, let's figure out a solution, um, whether it's retention or they're finding a tar hard time with talent, or maybe they're struggling to get their performance reviews done instead of being just the nag that's like, I've reminded you five times, Joe, you've got to get this done, you know, maybe approaching it like, I see you're struggling. What's your struggle? What can I help you with? How can we make this process easier? You know, just looking and listening um, for those opportunities because you also, um, relationship building in an HR role is absolutely critical, not just with the leaders, but with the employees. There's got to be trust. And so that position, um, one of the things I loved about it is back in the day, you know, you we used to get paper paychecks right so every and i could have a, i had a male person that that and again this is so old school but she had a little cart and she'd walk around the building delivering mail and so i easily could have given her all the paychecks to deliver but i decided early on i wanted to know every single person in that building and there were several hundred um throughout the organization but until i knew every person's name I used to hand deliver paychecks um and eventually I I learned it and I didn't have to do it um and actually one time I asked my president because he was a little bit of a a little bit of a hermit and he needed to get out more and be more visible I'm like you gotta get out there you gotta you know he had a very likable personality but he was very um 
he was a former finance guy. And so he was more comfortable sitting behind a computer at his desk. And so one time I was on a PTO and I asked him if he would hand out paychecks and he did. Um, And people loved it. They loved seeing him out there Um, at that company. I also introduced a stretching um, morning ritual um, in our warehouse. We were trying to reduce injuries. We were trying to reduce, um, you know, uh, repetitive motion industries or industry injuries. And we were also trying to boost morale. And so we started this stretching, um, you know, thing first few things, you know, minutes of the morning, everybody loved it. And we used to get people from outside of the organization. I would always invite the other leaders from finance, accounting, sales. I'm like, come. And part of your leadership development is to be visible to these people in the warehouse that are getting product out the door for you. So I would get the sales, you know, VP of sales and the VP of marketing They didn't come all the time, but they were there enough that people knew the warehouse folks, the production folks, they knew they weren't separate or, you know, different, I guess, than the other company. And so I I really just always looked for ways of doing things a little differently to get to a result and also to kind of just boost, you know, the experience that people were having while they worked there. And that is culture. Breaking down those barriers, getting people to know each other on a personal basis, that is where your culture starts to build from. It can't, you can't build the, you can build the culture, but it won't be a great one by having that kind of seclusion and and closed door policy. Um, So I think, I think that's absolutely fantastic. It's it's great to, you know, I'm smiling and nodding as as kind of you're talking away. Um, It's fun. Okay. So, um, I mean, it sounds like you revolutionized apothecary apothecary um <laughs> we, so, we had a lot of fun <laughs> so um yeah how come you left what was your next move take a guess martin here there's a theme here i want to say your husband got a new job <laughs> <laughs> yes my husband uh was working for an organization and they asked him to take on a, a promotion and that promotion took us to Dallas, Texas, which is where I live right now. So I was. I hope, I hope he looks after you. He does. He is. Yes, we're celebrating thirty years uh, of being married in November oh, this month. Actually, yeah, so, I was say, is no congratulations. Yes, thank you. So, yes, he received a big opportunity to come down here, and it just so happened my younger sister um, lives in the next town over. So for me, it was an opportunity to finally be in the same town with one of my very close family members. So, um, and to get out of the sub-zero temperatures in Minnesota and to come a little, somewhere a little bit warm. Okay, fantastic. Um, So you joined um, Zoomin. Tell me kind of what Zoomin do or did. Yeah, so funny. um, So actually, Zoomin acquired, um, for a short time, I was working for a company called Superior HR. Again, big move. I now had uh, a fourth grader, a seventh grader, and a 10th grader. So it was a massive move um, to come to Dallas to uproot an entire family, to bring the pets, to you know move a house. We built a house. It was an enormous life change. And so at that time, I said, look, I cannot, I was sort of ripe 
to take that next step in my career and sort of prior to moving, I was actually being considered for some very, you know, more senior roles in the HR space. But when I moved, I was like, I've got to shelve that. I've got to get my family acclimated. And so I found an opportunity with Superior HR, which was a consulting organization here in Dallas. But the big draw was it was uh, part-time and I could make my own hours and work out of my home. So for me, getting my family settled was very, very important to me and, and just learning my way around this new city. And so that was sort of my entree into HR consulting. So it wasn't, I wasn't intentionally looking to do consulting. It just sort of came about. And interestingly enough, that is when my business partner, Janelle, and I um, met. We were both working for Superior at the same time. And so shortly after that, this company called ZoomIn acquired us. And overnight, we were working for this very nice, small, little consulting company here in Dallas, working only with Texas-based companies. And overnight, we were thrown into this world of Silicon Valley um, startup community because ZoomIn was um, an HR, they had an HRS platform. They also did full benefits, full HR outsourcing uh, for startups and predominantly in the Bay Area with these very high growth, um, very, you know, high tech, fast paced kinds of organizations. So it was a major switch because was working part time, just doing a little bit of consulting. <laughs> easing my way into things. I told my husband, I'm sort of semi-retired. And then all of a sudden, Zoom and acquires us. We now have 150 tech companies that we're supporting. And I raised my hand when they said, we need a leader of this team. And I went for it and was made the, the head of the HR consulting team for Zoom in. Um, so to some degree, we've kind of come full circle <laughs> in terms of kind of what you enjoyed about your time as a recruiter at, at yeah. Kelly Services was that exposure to lots of different organizations and, and getting yes. getting to know them. And you're back in that arena again um, yes. of kind of working with multiple organizations. But now you're doing the broader HR and not just the, the kind of the staff in the recruitment side. Exactly. Yeah, I it was just absolutely fascinating. Um, I loved it. I loved, I, again, I, I've always enjoyed a fast pace. Um, the work at zoom in was very fast paced. It was very, very high technology, um, driven. So I was forced out of my comfort zone in many respects because we always had to leverage technology to do our jobs better. Um, we had to, you know, as the leader of my team, I, I had to work very collaboratively with all facets of the, the other Zoom and leaders um, because we were building a business. We were building business processes. It was a young, I think at the time they acquired us, they were two years old. They had had just a, a few clients and then they bought this book of business. And all of a sudden we had 150 clients overnight. And so we really kind of scaled very quickly. And we had to put all of these things in place to be able to serve these clients really well. And so I loved that because I was... Um, well, again, I guess with your kind of business first 
yes. HR complementary approach, well, actually, you're now kind of that entrepreneurial spirit of, okay, yeah, we've got a service that we're delivering and I've got my expertise at doing that, but also I'm helping build the organization that actually employs me. So you're, you're getting yes. maybe the best of everything that in terms of kind of you as an individual thrives on. Yes. Yes. It was great. And the gentleman that I worked for, who was the CEO, um, he had built a, another organization and scaled it and sold it, took some time off and then started Zoom in. And so I also benefited from having just really wonderful mentorship um, from somebody that was very successful in, you know, being an, uh, an entrepreneur and the clients we were working uh, with, we're doing just all these really innovative things um, around technology and professional services, biotech, fintech. I mean, you name it. Um, we 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 were you know serving so many different companies, but they the underlying theme is they were all innovators. And so, because I love innovation. I found that just really fun because I got to build relationships with leaders from all of these really interesting organizations, build trust with them, serve them, help remove barriers, help them strategize how they were going to grow their businesses. And, um, you know, really just loved that. And I loved leading my, my HR team. Um, I'd always had, you know, uh, we didn't really mention that, but at Paychecks, I had kind of grown my team. And then at Apothecary, as we grew, I was able to grow um, the okay. HR team. And I, I love leading other individuals and mentoring. And so that also gave me an opportunity to do that as well. I also wore the in-house HR hat. Um, so again, it was back to, you know, making sure the culture of ZoomIn was very positive um, it was an international organization. We had an office in Ukraine. We had one in India. Um, so that gave me an opportunity to really um, start, you know, developing skills of, you know, with uh, international offices. But of course, having lived overseas and in Asia, I mean, that certainly, you know, gave me a good foundation for that. But um, yeah, it was it was a fabulous opportunity. Um, so why did you leave? We were acquired again. Okay. Okay. Our business was split in half. The technology side of our business spun off into another company. And my service side was sold off to a much larger organization. Um, I was put in charge of, um, basically, I, at that point, had developed not just um, head of the HR team, but I was over all of our service delivery. Okay. So I was the vi vice president um, uh, in that role. But what I found once we were acquired, um, understandably, a big company, they want to, you know, they're scaling, they're acquiring multiple businesses like ours. In fact, I think they had acquired like 20 companies in the same year. So it was all about getting everybody on the same page with systems, processes, all of that. But what I really missed was that personalized approach and that more strategic relationship that we had had with our clients under the Zoom and umbrella. So I 
I just wasn't as crazy about putting HR in a box, if you will. Um, That just wasn't my style. So it's kind of productizing it, isn't it? So it's it's an off the shelf kind of product rather than, you know, going in and being that business partner. And and you said it very, very early on. You like to understand what the pain points are and then work out the solution. And um, when you're kind of productizing something, it ends up being very generic and you're not necessarily tailoring it to each client. Um, So that makes sense. Okay. So, so after about nine months or so, I knew that I, and again, I'm, you know, I've always been very passionate about the work that I do. um, And that passion has fed, you know, my innovation and my um, interest in growing and, and, you know, solving those pain points. And what I was finding is that passion was sort of diminishing and I wasn't the same excited person that I was previously. And I, I just can't show up. Um, you know, they use the term quiet quitting. I, I don't love that term, yeah. but that's kind of where I probably would have been heading if I had stayed there. I knew that my heart wasn't in it. I didn't love what I was doing. I didn't want to let my team down. Um, because I was now this sort of figurehead for the entire organization that was acquired, you know, half of our business and our CEO and most of our executive leadership all went with the technology side of the business. I was now the face of the service. So my biggest barrier was the guilt of leaving the team that I loved behind, but I knew in my heart I needed to do something different because I didn't want to be this lackluster leader um, that wasn't walking, you know, walking the talk, if you will. I, I'm very authentic and I'm very transparent. And so I knew I needed to make a change. So what turned out to be sort of a negative thing turned out to be a great thing because that is where um, the evolution of early HR solutions began um, I left the company. I didn't know exactly what I was going to do, but I took some time and I flew um, to see my sister for the weekend, who's also a very successful entrepreneur. And I just spent some time with her and, and um, you know, she's like, well, what do you think you're going to do? And I said, I don't really know, but I think I want to, I think I want to do this on my own. I think I want to go out and start a business. She's like, all right, well, let's hear it. What are your thoughts? And I'm, I kind of hashed out sort of this business plan and, you know, very rudimentary because I'd never dreamt this is where I would be. I would have still been at Zoom in. I would have been at Paychex had I not moved. I still would have been at Zoom in had they not sold. I loved what I did. Um, But I was like, you know what? I know what really worked. We had a good thing going at Zoom in. But I also know where there were gaps because there were always clients clamoring for more. Do you guys do this? Do you do strategy? Do you do, you know, performance management consulting, you know, all this stuff. And we were always like, no, that's not in our scope. No. And I was like, I can do whatever I want. So I took the best of what we were doing with Zoomin, serving early stage clients. That was a niche that I knew existed that I didn't think really was being served um, you know, very well or at all. Um, I also knew where the gaps were and where I could 
build off of that, those gaps and those pain points. And I decided I was going to start this company. I am literally, you know, when you're flying and all of a sudden you get close to where you've got reception and your phone starts going off. I kid you not. I received a text from Janelle, who's my current business partner. And um, she's like, I need to talk to you. I just gave my notice. Um, I just gave my notice to this organization that had acquired us. And, um, and I said, um, I said, Oh, my goodness, well, let's, let's talk. So I called her the next morning. And uh, I said, Janelle, I think I'm going to go out on my own. She's like, I'm in. What do you need? (laughs) (laughs) We had worked together side by side for six years at that point. And she's always been sort of the yin to my yang. And um, with so literally, we started a business with a five minute conversation because we just knew what we needed to do and how to get there. Um, and I, and she was going to give like six weeks notice or something like that. She was just very kind like that with the organization and really wanted to transition her clients and whatnot. And I said, look, you, I'm going to start getting the wheels in motion. I don't want you thinking about this. You need to just focus on getting transitioned out well. And, um, and we'll talk next month. And so every now and then I was working on the logo and I would just shoot her stuff. I'm like, what do you think about this? What do you think about early HR solutions? Oh, I'm getting our domain name. What do you think? You know, I would text her periodically, but by and large, she was finishing her transition. And, um, and then when she finished, we got together and we birthed early HR and um and never look back and we've never looked back and we we had sort of a sign that it was all going to work out because we had barely gotten our website launched and we received a call from somebody that had found me on LinkedIn so it wasn't anybody that I had known before um she was actually looking for a CHRO. And I said, look, I just started this company. But if you're willing to hear me out, I think it could be a really good fit. Would you consider working with early HR solutions and not just Michelle Ha? I said, I have a business partner. Here's our business model. The CEO was willing to hear us out. Um, and um, they became our very first client we started early HR in October, right in the middle of the pandemic in t- October, 2020. And by December of 2020, we already had our first client. And it was somebody that we had never known, didn't know us from Adam. And that was our sign that this was going to work. And so we just have taken it and run with it. And they still are a client today, two years later. Fantastic. If I can ask you one, I'm just, I'm kind of conscious of time. If I can ask you, I guess, one question, what do you think it is? I I think I kind of know this based on kind of what we've, a lot of the stuff that we've kind of covered off through this, but what is it that you think you guys do well? So in terms of why do clients like working with you? And, And you could maybe overarch this with the question of, what does good HR look like? But I think we can kind of take it down a step and kind of why is it that clients like working 
with your business? So again, um, going back to solving pain points and understanding their business needs, we approach each client not showing up with a preconceived idea of what they need. Um, we really tailor our services to solving for pain points that they have. So right out of the gate, when we engage with our clients, we do a very, very thorough needs assessment. We call it an HR assessment. We meet with them for three separate meetings, and then we do a presentation and propose a project plan in our fourth meeting, which is a very cooperative process. So we tell them, here's what we think you need, and here's what we think the priorities are based on your feedback, but we want your feedback. And then we cooperatively put a project plan together that not only do they know what we're working on and that we're being very intentional about how we're moving the needle for them, but we're showing up in a very, very proactive and strategic way. We're not saying, here's HR in a box, here's all your templates, here's, you know, you're going to do this, you're going to do that. We approach it from a needs base and from a business perspective so that we can help solve their biggest pain points. And then we move down the priority list. We know that, you know, these things can take time. And so most of our clients keep us on retainer as a fractional, uh, in a fractional HR relationship. And we meet with them every single week or every other week. And we're continually moving the needle. So we don't just sit and wait for them to call us with a problem. Um, we're not a 1-800, you know, solve your HR problem, give you a canned response type of company. We build a relationship and a lot of our clients we communicate daily with on Slack or Teams or Google Chat, whatever they prefer. Um, and we've now built our team. So we've got a few other folks that can help Janelle and I um, do some of the behind the scenes work um, so that we can still be very present um, with our clients. So they really appreciate that personalized approach. They appreciate that we're available. Um, we have very quick response time. Um, and we provide, you know, really good quality because Janelle and I and the rest of our team, we've got a great deal of experience. And so, you know, and we have the benefit of knowing what other companies are doing. So yeah. we, if somebody says, what are people doing around parental leave? We're not, yes, we're always going to research studies, but we're also going to say, here's what we know. Here's what we've seen. You know, we've worked now with, you know, probably close to 200 companies in that space, just in our experience, we're starting with Superior, then with ZoomIn now with, you know, early HR. So we've got this vantage point that's very different from a lot of other HR people that only know their company and maybe their previous employers. Yeah, I think from obviously not the kind of the, the latter end of that, because that is a unique position to be. And it's, again, similar to being a recruiter, you know, you get to kind of you've got a really good kind of um, finger on the pulse of the, the kind of the market. But I think what you were talking about early on um, anybody listening to this can absolutely take those principles and methodologies into their day-to-day -day work. You know, the very, very good work ethic practices of don't just be reactive. Just, you know, go out and, and, and engage with your stakeholders. What are the problems that are going on in the business? What's the problems that are keeping them up at night? How can yeah. you work out a project plan? 
Um, great communication. You know, nothing's ever gone wrong in the world because people had great communication. It's only the other way around. Yeah, communicate with your stakeholders, just touch base with them, be visible to them. I think all of those those principles that you apply in the business aren't exclusive to being a external provider. They're inclusive of being internal as well. It's 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 about what makes great HR delivery and what makes you know lessons of being a great HR person. Um, and that was it was a bit of a kind of a loaded question because I, I, w- I was hoping that was the answer you were going to give based on what. I felt we'd kind of covered off, um, but that was kind of the exact summary that I was looking for. So thank you. Sure. But unfortunately, yeah. Michelle, we're we're out of time. Um, we've we've gone over time actually, um, but I, it's it's been it's been brilliant. I think we've we've covered off some really really good stuff. That you know, fingers crossed, anybody listens to this at any level can take some you know pearls of wisdom away with them. Um, so. I mean, if people want to kind of um, get in touch with you, if they've got any questions or they want to um, understand a bit more about kind of the work that you do and, and, and maybe be a, be a customer, um, what's the best way of getting in touch? Is it, is it through LinkedIn or the website? Yeah, so I'm very active on LinkedIn. Um, so again, I'd be happy to connect with folks on LinkedIn. Also, our website, um, we have early HR solutions.com or earlyengage.com. We actually have two websites. Early Engage, we're actually offering a two-month free trial. So if you are interested in employee engagement, you're certainly welcome to check that out. Um, Or you're certainly welcome to email me. Um, It's just michelle with one L dot haw at earlyhrsolutions.com. Fantastic. Well, we'll put that in the um, in the footnotes of the podcast. But I'm sorry we've run out of time. I was really enjoying that. But um, yeah, this is so fun. It's like gonna, you know, hitting a hitting the rewind button and, and stuff that I haven't thought about some of it in a very long time. So, well, look, thank, thank you, you so for much. Being no, interested. no, but thank you so much for giving up your time, and um, it has been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much, Martin. Great to see you today. And there's another show in the bag. I hope you enjoyed it and really appreciate you listening. We've received so much feedback from people who said how helpful these conversations are and how the insights are helping individuals with their own careers. However, to get the podcast to a larger audience, we need your help. Please could I ask you that you'd write a review on whichever platform you're listening to this on, as it's the ratings and reviews which really help get a podcast promoted. So if you could spare just 30 seconds to write us a review, that would be really, really appreciated. In the meantime, I hope you'll join us on the next episode and I'll see you then. This podcast is brought to you by Hire People, a recruitment agency specializing in the HR and marketing professions. But we're not your typical recruitment agency. When I created Hire People, I very much wanted to rip up the rule book when it came to the model I felt a recruitment business for the modern times should adopt. I've been an internal recruiter as well as a HR manager using the services recruitment agencies. Some good, mostly poor. I've also been a job seeker on the receiving end of poor service from every recruitment agency I applied for a job through. It left me feeling despondent, non-supported and very much like a statistic. So I decided to do a Gandhi and go and be the change that I wanted to see in the world. Hire People was born from that desire to not only run a recruitment agency that has standards, but continuously driving those standards higher. 
We are highly innovative and introduce the number of features that distinguish us from your typical recruitment agency. We offer a six month 100% rebate. We've introduced the innovative and groundbreaking Hired360 product, which has brought 3D CVs and 3D job descriptions to the market. And we very much place the emphasis on service, not sales. So if you're interested in working with us, get in touch and let's see how we can help.